Hey everybody and welcome back to Move Out Draw Fire. This is the fourth episode of the saga. I tell you what, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from the previous episodes. People enjoying the stories, uh, reminiscing about the old memories that whatever I might say, you know, bring back up. And I'm, I'm glad, that's why I do this, to, you know, let everybody know that, you know, we had good times, it wasn't all bad. Uh, even though our bodies may hurt, you know, we can get over it together. So this will be, like I said, the fourth part in the seven-part series. I might have to extend it um, a part or two because I have a lot to go over. <clears throat> this one is the first Afghanistan deployment that I'm going over and all the trials and tribulations that I had to go through with my fellow uh, Ford observers and uh, engineers that I was with. So let's go ahead and start this off. Um, whatever platform you listen on this to, you know, go ahead, subscribe, write a review, uh, like it, what, you know, whatever you can do to let it get known. So who knows, maybe someday somebody who wasn't in my unit or just a random person here comes across it, hears it, you know, can groove along with what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to put out, and we can somehow get popular and try to reach more people. So, last we left off, we uh, Jesse and I had just come back from Iraq, and we'll start from there. So, back home at the uh, Fort Bragg, nothing really major happened. We got put in some weird barracks down the road. We had, uh, I don't, man, we were, I don't know why we were put in these barracks. It was miles from our actual unit. So, we had... Somebody came into my room one time. I believe it was uh, Starling. He came in. Now this this was a starting point of a war that that shouldn't have happened. Starling came into my room. I believe I roomed alone. Maybe I roomed with uh, I believe it was Lear at the time. He came into my room. I was sleeping, and he had a airsoft shotgun and started pelting me with these with these bullets with these. Uh, airsoft bbs i did not take kindly to this i snuck out my window because i didn't want him to know that i was out of my room so i snuck out my window i was on the first floor it's not like i had to jump out i snuck out my window got into my car drove to walmart and i picked up a battery operated m4 um airsoft rifle and a co2 powered pistol airsoft pistol loaded up on bb's came back and it was it was the start of war i found starling in the bathroom lit him up while he was trying to pee because he got me while i was trying to sleep and turnabout's fair play you know so other people had gotten involved i believe klusky he bought two 
Uzi airsoft uh, guns. There were a couple others who bought some airsoft guns, and it just, you'd walk through the barracks, and it was just a sea of BBs, just friggin' everywhere. And it got to the point where not only were we doing it, but other um, units around the, the base were doing it. And it got to the point where a sergeant major, and I cannot remember what his name was, he was walking through the barracks in civilian clothes. I, God only knows why. And somebody mistook him for a combatant on this airsoft battlefield and lit him up. And from then, it was said that if, if anybody was found with these airsoft rifles or airsoft guns, they would be just hammered to the wall with uh, UCMJ Article 15s and stuff like that. So good times, great oldies on that part. Um I know that the some people that didn't live in the barracks, I think they got involved. Some people that did live in the barracks were obviously involved. So we'll move on from there. I know we did some, uh, I think, one JRTC rotation before we got the words like, hey, you're going to Afghanistan. It's going to be a one-year-long tour. From the six, five- to six-month tour to Iraq, it was, all right, this is going to be twice the length. Of what we did on Iraq. We got the word where we're going. We got the warno. So we pack up. Uh, head out to Afghanistan. We land in. And, you know, we, we go through. I think we landed in Germany. I'm not sure. The, the whole route at this point. Um, for every tour to get there. Besides what Jesse did on the advanced party. Which was flying straight to was we would fly to a halfway point, whether it be Shannon, Ireland, or I think it was Rammstein, uh, Germany. Uh, actually, one time on our way back, uh, we flew through Bulgaria. That was a terrible... I'll get into that one later. I think that was on my last tour. So we fly to there, a couple-hour refuel, uh, buy some... German snacks or drinks or whatever. Now we weren't allowed alcohol on the way over. Then we'd go to Kuwait for a week or two where the Air Force stayed. And that was just to kind of get our um, kind of one acclimation to was to get into uh, flights into Afghanistan. So um, actually, no, I, I have to correct myself. We flew, flew into Kyrgyzstan. That's where we, uh, staged out of to go into Afghanistan. Um, Iraq was, uh, Kuwait. If you're going on mid tour leave, then you'd go to Kuwait, but flying to Afghanistan, we'd stop in Kyrgyzstan and stage out of there for a week or two before we actually flew into our main uh, area there. So, we get into Kyrgyzstan, we're there for a week, we fly out to Kandahar. Now that is our first uh, stop along our Afghanistan tour. So we get to Kandahar, and at the time the team there was, and I'm going off a of memory on this, um, Noons, Walker, Morera, Johnson was the fire support NCO, um, what was Coppola? I believe Coppola. Uh, no, it wasn't Coppola. 
I'll retract it later and figure out what it was. Um, let's see. Elliot, myself, um, Hughes, and Fox. There might have been one other. Anyway. Um, we flew out from Kyrgyzstan, got to there. We did a couple training missions. I can't remember where we were. We were climbing up this stupid friggin' mountain right outside an SF compound. Um, I had a couple problems with that mountain. I do not, I do not do good with hills whatsoever. As soon as I'm walking and my foot even detects an incline, it feels like it just saps all the energy right out of me. So hills was never my forte. So I want to back up a little bit. We are no longer three 504, three third battalion of the 504 infantry regiment, which was strike hold. Uh, we were reflagged um, before the Afghanistan tour to uh, the 508th Parachute Infantry Regiment. Um, so 3504 was retired. 1508 was reinstated. They closed down shortly after World War II, I think it was. So we reflagged as 1508. Not a real big deal, just kind of a, for your information. So. <clears throat> After we did these couple of um, just trainings, doing uh, these PT sessions, walking up this stupid friggin' hill twice uh, with body armor and stuff like that. So our first mission was to Gorak Valley. Now, it was a joint operation. It was the largest ISAF operation ever conducted at the time. It was called Operation Achilles. So we went to Gorak Valley and across the mountain range was the Helmand River province, the Helmand province. That's where all the bad stuff was kicking off. Now, we were in Gorak Valley for at least a month, and we kept hearing daily the B-1 or B-2 bombers just dropping everything they could where the British were at. It was daily popping off, and there were on the uh, across the mountain of Gorak Valley, we were set up to watch the one route from Gorak Valley into Helmand Province because we got the word that the enemy was using that as an avenue of approach. So we set up kind of a permanent OP on a hillside overwatching this uh, mountain pass. Now at the time I wasn't part of a platoon, I was part of the uh, company headquarters again with Sergeant Johnson, um, and we, uh, we were with the mortars set up on this hilltop. The platoons were doing uh, daily um, missions and patrols throughout the area. I mean, it was a large area. There's not much, there's really no way somebody could sneak up on us. So I have written down in my notes here that we we're mostly sitting. We did do a couple missions um, as a headquarters or as a company in a whole. But it was mostly just sitting around, paying attention to what was going on, kind of listening in on the radio to what was happening in our AO. So, really one of the only things to report from that, I say report, kind of a funny story at the time, well now, but at the time. So, Elliot was part of, uh, I believe it was 2nd Platoon. Uh, Shane was part of 1st Platoon. Or Noons, sorry. Noons was part of 1st Platoon. Walker was 3rd Platoon. So, 
Elliot had gone and had to relieve himself, taking a, taking a deuce out out in the field, out in one of the open areas by the trucks, and buried it. And Noons was coming up with his platoon, returning from a normal patrol. Where Elliot had called him up over the fires net. <laughs> Noons, if you remember this, I, I, I remember clear as day your anger and hatred towards Elliot at the time was he called you up and said, hey, you know, watch out for the Canadian landmine. Um, the Canadian landmine, that is just you take a you take a dump and you put some dirt over it. Canadian landmine, you step on it, you get poop on your shoe. It was misconstrued as they were about to walk through a live minefield set by the Canadians. So it w- I had heard that they had to take like five kilometers around what they thought was an active minefield only to come back to find out that Elliot was just kidding around saying that he had taken a dookie and the whole thing was misconstrued there was talk of of UCMJ article 15 for using the wrong verb I thought it was friggin hilarious that a simple joke was misconstrued as an act of minefield. That <laughs> I laughed probably for two days straight. Um, so Mortarman and I and Sergeant Johnson were on this hill. Um, at some point in time, we had run out of water. It was something about the XO had forgot to order us water, and we were down to two bottles a day to li- kind of live off of while we are out there. And it is beyond hot it is hot uh 100 degrees during the day and you know wind storms going into the night it was crazy kinds of weather and we we had a choice we can either drink this water and you know try to survive or kind of spare some of this water to do our sock laundry because it was way beyond what any of us had packed to do this mission. So we were doing our sock laundry because our socks were starting to stand up on their own. And it got to a point where um, if you hadn't taken a shower within a week, you were you were smelling ripe. After two weeks, holy bejesus, you could not stand being around yourself or others. And for me, it was about after three weeks, I stopped smelling, period. I don't know if my brain was so wrapped up in trying to block this scent that I had completely just for three weeks like, well, I guess I don't stink anymore because I don't smell anything. Only to find out when we came back to Kandahar to refit that it was we were so foul. People were parting uh, when we got off the flight line to our to our um, lodgings that people were f- splitting like the Red Sea because we smelled so rank so that was part of it uh we got recalled from gorek valley refit and we're going to go back up the or help out the british in the hellman river uh hellman province so we pack up head out i do a promotion i get promoted to sergeant uh i actually re-enlisted as well and I had the two, uh, the highest ranking person on Kandahar do my reenlistment, which happened to be the 82nd Commander, Major General Rodriguez. And only 10 people showed up 
to this reenlistment. And I didn't want it very big, but it was kind of, if you have a two-star general, the whole battalion had better be there in attendance. And they weren't. It was just the company commander, uh, uh, Sergeant Johnson, a couple others. And some of the uh, general's aides had lost their minds. Like, why is there only 10 people here? This is a disgrace. You know, for me, it was it was perfect. I was like, you know what? Screw everybody. I want this guy to do it. So I had it done. He's actually quite a bit taller than I was, too. It's crazy. All right, so moving on. Um, we refitted, uh, re-enlist promotion. I'm going off my notes here. So we get into the Hellman River province. Um, so at the time, Walker had gone on his mid-tour leave early so I was tasked with taking over his third platoon while he was gone. So my RTO um, was Private Marrera, Special Marrera. I don't remember at the time. It was Marrera. Um, so we fly in nighttime. Uh, as soon as we land, these Apaches, for, I think it was the Apaches, for some reason just released a bunch of flares over our heads and just kind of just gave away our position. But nothing happened from that, with my platoon anyway. So nighttime, land, uh, we go, we take over house. We're like, all right, this was a good-ish infill. We got our house. It wasn't 20, 30 minutes after we got in this house that we just start getting lit up from all sides. Every every platoon in our in our uh, company was just getting lit up. I was laying on, I remember I was laying on the roof with Marrera up there you know, somewhat resting and pulling guard at the same time, doing shifts, and I hear some gunfire. I look at Marrera. He tells me, that is Bico. I'm like, all right, I know where Bico's at. And then we hear gunfire getting closer, and I look at him. He says, that's second platoon. I'm like, oh, second platoon's getting some shit. And then soon enough, just flying overhead, bullets. Like, well, you don't have to tell me that's us. So our mortars are ready. I get up on the line uh we got uh holmgram our gunner just laying down suppressive fire um we got everybody on this roof uh doing the suppressive fire trying to spot the enemy let me know where they're at so i could have uh do up my calculations give them rare marrera calls in the mission we get the mortars to uh, fire where we need them to be now one of the uh drawbacks not drawbacks, but one of the uh, bad things that happened was, all right, so <clears throat> I see this guy, he's popping out, I drop mortars, probably dead, not sure at the time. So we get the word, hey, get out of your building, go from north to south, clear the area. Uh, got it, whatever. So we're about to exit our little walled-in compound that we uh, tactically acquired, and somebody yells back, hey, I forgot something. So we stopped the the platoon from going outside of the walls. And at the at the almost second where he's like, hey, don't move, somebody had called in the Canadian artillery on my position. And where we were going to go along the wall is where the rounds hit. So blessing in disguise, had that guy not forgotten his stuff, most of my platoon would probably have been schwacked by these 155 rounds that were called in from another uh, Ford Observer. I get on the radio, I'm yelling, check fire. 
just craziness popping off. <clears throat> so that passes. We go out. We do our clearance. We go through a palm grove. Uh, we get the Apaches online. We get we get some hellfires uh, fired off. First time I ever got a hellfire um, kind of approved. Uh, the uh, grenadiers were shooting their uh, 203s at a building. I, I mean, it was just from start to finish bananas. I don't remember how long it lasted. It was it, it was either a long time or just a couple of minutes. It felt like forever. Uh, anybody in a firefight could tell you, you know, it could be 10 seconds, but it felt like 10 hours. So we go through, we clear everything. Um, we go back to our compound and throughout the days, we're just, all right, we've got to clear from south to north. So we're just moving south to north, clearing everything we can. And every time we get to a building, we, we look at the streets and we just see the women and children leaving. I'm like, well, that's a good sign that something's about to pop off and, and without a doubt and without fail every time the women and children you see leaving that day we're getting attacked and so we're just moving north to south or sorry south to north clearing all the way up to uh the british where they're stationed at and overall um i think we had a few uh few casualties uh don't believe yeah nobody had been uh, as far as my platoon nobody had uh, died from any uh, enemy fire we had a few instances where somebody had launched a, a two or three at a door and the shrapnel came back and hit uh, one of our own guys there was an instance where uh, I believe it was a Chinook started opening up fire on our own guys at night because there were so many uh, IR strobes, everybody had one and they were mistaken for uh, muzzle flash. So they were firing on our own guys. So a bunch of, uh, you know, friendly fire, bad accidents happened. I believe there was only a few instances where uh, enemy fire had taken ca or produced casualties on our side, but uh, everybody had, for the most part, survived. I, I can't think of anybody that I was with at the time uh, was killed in action. So, the Hellman River uh, province, we're there for probably another 30 days. We're doing missions. We come back, we refit again, and we start doing more missions out of Kandahar. But at the time, I had moved to a different company from uh, Alpha Company, which was Sergeant Johnson, to Bravo Company. And after I got to Bravo Company, it just was a a crap fest from start to finish nobody there liked me because i wasn't their normal platoon forward observer so it left a sour taste in my mouth and it was kind of the point where uh they were showing me kind of such disrespect that i didn't want to work for them so i didn't i refused to put in any extra effort to help these guys out now what you know i look back on it now it's like that's the biggest douchebag move to pull and you're not wrong. It is. I should have done better. But be it as it may, um, I didn't. And eventually, uh, I went on my mid-tour leave. I left the company in capable hands of uh, Aguilera and Sergeant Belton. So I went on mid-tour leave. It was around Halloween. And at the time, right before I was supposed to go back, a few days before, my my 
great-grandmother had passed away. And I'm like, listen, I'm staying for this funeral. That's all there is to it. And I called back to the rear. They're like, well, guess what? You're not. And if you do, you're going to get hit with uh, UCMJ Article 15. Uh, you're going to get nailed to the wall. I'm like, well, so be it. So I stayed. I stayed for the funeral. It was only probably five or six extra days. Um, flew back to Afghanistan, got back to my unit, and they were just ready with the paperwork. Like, we are done with you. We are going to hammer you into the ground. And at that time, somebody is like, listen, instead of doing that, let's move them. Let's move them to a different uh, battalion. So I got moved to the 4th BSTB, the Brigade Special Troops Battalion. Now, this battalion was made up of your mostly soft skills, which was your camo guys, a um, bunch of other other guys. But the ones I got put with was actually the engineer company in the Special Troops Battalion. Now, that was obviously the best thing for me. I got to a new place. They welcomed me with open arms because I had switched places uh, they had a former FO, his name was Draculich, and he got put into, um, he got put into the 1508, um, where the battalion I was in, and I got switched to where he was at, which was, he started out in the Special Troops Battalion, and we were doing missions out of a little base called Altimore. Now, Altimore is where... It was a small base at the base of a mountain. Um, I was there with uh, Jesse. I was there with the rest of the engineers. And we were doing grunt missions, doing normal patrols like the grunts would do, but with engineers. So my concept of what the grunts would do versus what the engineers did, it was almost on par. Like they were trained to do their um 11 bravo counterpart missions but you could tell that it was run by engineers the subtle differences not worth mentioning but um overall the a, a great fit for me and that's where um sergeant perez was again he got moved there uh sergeant white was there but he was injured at the time um I met another FO there. Um, uh, we called him Fodolf. His name was Randolph. We called him Fodolf. Enormous head. <laughs> so we're doing missions out of there. We had another FO there. His name was Amika. The guy was a waste of space. And overall, I, I very much enjoyed doing missions with the engineers, very much so than the company I just came from, which was Bico. Uh, 508 oh god they were terrible people aco i loved and even though at the time i was like oh, i can't wait to get out of this company this company sucks after leaving the company i was like god dang it this sucks even more i want to go back to aco well i got moved to a different battalion so it is what it is um so we're doing we're in Baltimore doing fire uh doing missions um until white got there i was kind of the um fire sport nco for the base um i was i was mostly in charge of base defense with the uh mortars that we had there 
fun times shooting mortars um, to register them. Um, there was a time that I, <laughs> so December 14th, 2007 was my 23rd birthday and for my birthday the insurgency that was there decided to mortar or try to mortar our base um they were ineffectual no rounds landed in the base um i was on the berm on the uh, um i want to say east side of the wall to our base just smoking a cigarette and with my radio in my just pajamas which was just my pt shorts and a short sleeve shirt and like you guys got to be kidding me on my birthday f you guys so i called in i'm like hey mortars <clears throat> shoot that way and it was it was a uh historic site that we got bombed at from before so immediately got cleared fired back went to bed just great my birthday just a super eventful day. So we're doing missions out of there, out of Baltimore. We got snowed in because we we're pretty far to the north and it was five feet of snow, couldn't do missions, so we were snowed in. Um, but after the snow melted, we were doing more missions, obviously, and I got tasked with a mission with the French Foreign Legion that I was going to be their observer for a um ambush they were setting up for the Taliban well at the time I'd contracted um pneumonia and these guys this this foreign legion man they were humping up these mountains they were running up these mountains like it was it was I was running downhill and I've already told you before I don't do good with mountains not whatsoever so they I'm like listen guys I am dying, like literally dying. Um, you guys find a place. Leave me here. I, they left me. They're like, all right, we'll be right back with the best uh, position for this ambush. So they left me. I'm sitting there coughing, dying, trying to stay hydrated. And they come back. I'm like, listen, good news. Where you're at is where we're going to stay. Perfect. So we set up this ambush site uh, overwatching a hill. Turns out that they attacked the wrong hill, but that's where, you know, I asked the French Foreign Legion, I'm like, listen, you guys so far are awesome. What is the difference between you and the French army? And they're straight up, we don't run away and we're not really French. Most of them were uh, Polish, in fact. And we started talking about, now this was this was kind of a funny story. We're stock, we started talking about uh, beers and liquors, and they actually brought me a beer from Copenhagen, Denmark. I could not tell you the name of this beer, but it was the greatest thing because it was the first I had in months. And they're like, hey, man, we heard you guys can't drink overseas. I'm like, you are correct. And they said, well, here's a beer. I'm like, well, I'm the only one up here, so I'm going to drink that beer. Um, we Again, we started talking about liquors, and they were talking about some of their homebrewed stuff, and for some reason, in my infinite wisdom, I go, have you guys ever had Jägermeister? <laughs> and they go, Jägermeister, I don't think we've, I don't think we've had that, what's that? And I said, well, it's a German liquor, <laughs> and one of the guys l- legitimately, literally goes, the Germans, I'm like, oh god, you guys are still pretty sour about that, aren't you? So, um, that was, they, they, they didn't, 
get the ambush point right, they attacked another bridge, the ones that we weren't watching over, so the ambush was a flop. We eventually just started firing rockets uh, at a mountainside with the uh, Afghan National Army using their guns and using their mortars. Good times. Um, so, all in all, we did a couple more missions. Nothing too crazy. Um, the company went out. I would stay back with the base defense. Uh, White would really take over when he got back. Uh, Randolph and I, we, um, you know, we got along great, uh, kind of become good friends after uh, the deployment ended. We would go to uh, JFO together out in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. You know, it was really good times with him. Not so much with Mika. That guy was, he was, he was off to begin with, but I would say overall, I, I miss the interactions between Elliot Nunes, Walker Marrera, um, Hughes, Fox, Johnson, uh, and the FSO there. Um, it was overall a great time. Uh, yes, we did. We, we lost some good friends, um, and it, it's kind of more desensitized me uh, further on to... You know, the more people we lose, the less I start to feel uh, for it. And it would kind of just numbed me to the whole experience of losing people. And it's unfortunate to talk about, but somebody's got to talk about it. You know, once you once you start taking lives and you start losing lives, it's the whole thing is just like, all right, well, it's just another thing. And to hear somebody like me who grew up, I'm not going to say I grew up a hippie, but I, I, you know, I grew up loving the arts. I grew up, you know, loving to do things and, uh, taught to cherish everything and everybody. And now after my second deployment, which actually got extended to 15 months, uh, 15 months from a year, you know, we, I come back and I'm like, nothing matters anymore. I was, uh, I was in a great you know, state of mind per se while over there. But as soon as we got back, it was just down in the dumps. Um, like nothing mattered anymore. No feelings. Don't feel it. And it won't be true. So I know a lot of people went through that, uh, after whatever tour that they went on, you come back and you're just like, if I don't feel it, it's not real. So that's where you start getting in your deep depressions. And I got into a deep depression that I had a hard time getting out of. And it kind of wasn't until um, it was, let's see what we got back in March. No, uh, June, July, 2008, we got back after our 15 month tour. Um, I actually uh, got married in um July of 2008, I come back, I, I met with my, uh, best friend, Michael, uh, that I grew up with and, um, I married his sister and it was kind of very impromptu. It was to the point where I was great friends with him, his uncle, who was a, at the time, uh, retired first sergeant. When I went in, he was still, he was a first sergeant for an aviation unit. Um, 
they got to the point where it's like you guys, you know, you work together, um, gr- not work together, but you work as a couple, you guys should get married. And it was, hey, you want to get married? Well, yeah, let's do this. And we went down to North Carolina, um, found a registered magistrate, which was in the Cumberland County Detention Center, and we got married uh, at a Cumberland County Detention Center. And the witnesses were her mother and my be- and one of my best friends at the time was Chris. Uh, who I met back in airborne school that I mentioned. And it was great times. Uh, we, we, you know, um, I'll get into that later. Let me, let me go back to where we were. So we come back from Afghanistan. We have to go through this reintegration process. Uh, I had to go through anger management because I told the lady, the uh, couple ladies that were giving us our, um, kind of reintegration classes to go F themselves. Um, you can't tell me, you, you can't tell me what to do. Well, that was my attitude at the time. And it kind of still is. I don't regret it. Um, but we come back, we reintegrate. Um, and again, reintegration process is a tough thing to do after 15 months of having a weapon on you at all times, uh, 15 months of, you know, not knowing when the next rocket's going to come overhead or when, when the next bullet's going to take you out. It, it's a rough time, uh, the reintegration process. It's not easy. And this being my second tour, um, went fairly easier than the first time, but you know, at the same time, it's still rough. So, uh, we did our jumps when we come back. Um, we make sure everything's turned in right. People leave the army. People join the army. It was kind of all just a big blur at that point in time. Um, so I'll tell you this. It's it's difficult. At, through time, it gets better. But at the time, it was, it was rough. And um, I married uh, one of my best friends. And... We happily have two children together uh, now, being to uh, 2021. So, as far as the deployment goes, you know, from start to finish, just a crapshoot. And we lost some good guys, and um, I made some good friendships. And those hopefully will last through throughout the test of time. Um, like I said in the first one, I, I really do need to work on becoming more, uh, active and vocal with my friendships and kind of reignite them. I have started to do so. I just need to get better at it. So anyway, I think I'm going to cut this one here. The next episode will probably be, um, let's see, part five. So we're looking at the next Afghanistan tour, uh, leading up to the Afghanistan tour. Uh, what we did there was vastly different than what we what I had done before. Uh, some new people that I met, some people that had left, and some of the trials and tribulations that led to where I am today. So I appreciate the listen, and if you feel the need to, reach out to me. I'll reach back. Um, it's, I know it feels like it can be difficult, but with technology today, it's actually really not. Uh, I just don't do it. And 
I'm kind of uh, voicing my my inner inner thoughts, inner dialogues through this podcast, and I appreciate everybody who listens. Um, you know, if you have stories that you want to share with me, I'm always I'm always there to listen. If you think you remembered something that I missed, go ahead and let me know. And I appreciate every every one of you, whether um, I mentioned you and you're not listening. You know, my 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 thoughts go out to you if you are listening and you remember the good times that we had, and you know, I'm I'm bringing up great memories or uh, bringing up bad memories. You know, they're, they're memories. We gotta we gotta live through them. And I just appreciate every one of you. So. Much love, much love. So, keep safe, everybody. Keep safe. Remember, we're here for each other. I'm here for you, and hopefully you're there for me when I need it. And I appreciate everything that you are and everything that you do. So why don't you go ahead and uh, move out. Draw fire. Thank you.